everyone, it's Alan Schimmel, DevOps.com, and you're listening to another episode of DevOps Chat. Today's chat features my friend Scott Wilson of CA Atomic. Scott has been a, a frequent guest on DevOps Chat, and the reason is he actually has really usually good stuff to say, and he's an interesting fellow to speak with. Scott, welcome again to DevOps Chats. Thank you, Alan. As always, glad to be here. Pleasure to have you here, my friend. So, Scott, we are going to um, delve into something today that maybe a lot of people in our audience are really familiar with and will like the 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 drill down. But there may be people who you know who hear the terms, but they're not quite sure what it means. And so, what I want to talk about today are pipelines, especially when, in terms of continuous delivery pipelines. As, and how this fits into a concept, really CA is coined it and, you know, led with it, but it's it's the modern software factory, right, for enterprises. It's a, a factory methodology, almost like an assembly line, if you will, of, of developing and deploying software and all that that entails. So why don't we start with basics, Scott, if it's okay? What what is when we talk about the CD CICD pipeline? How would you explain that to someone? Excellent. Uh, so the CICD pipeline is is basically just the the concept of the metaphor of taking any change, right? And this is any change that a developer has coded, a configuration change, a change to the data, and currently any change to an environment configuration needs to go back to a starting point and then kind of run the gauntlet, as it were, where it is vetted, it's tested, warranted, and then made available in production environments. And there's a whole sequence of things that need to occur, and that sequence is referred to as the pipeline. And pipelines are often broken up into stages from a, a logical perspective, but in those stages are specific tasks that have to occur in sequence to have your software ultimately be ready to be safely deployed and delivered to production environments. Yep. Um, sounds, it sounds great. Now, Scott, one of the things we've seen is like, for instance, with, um, with uh, Jenkins 2.0, the, the concept of pipelines and CD pipelines is really, I think taking on a uh, a new gravitas, if you will, within the market. People are now getting serious about it. What about at Atomic and 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 beyond Atomic, the rest of CA even? Uh, where where does this whole pipeline thing fit in? Excellent. So you know, Jenkins really is a continuous integration tool. It's meant to run a sequential set of all or nothing tasks. I mean, all or nothing that if step three or five were to fail, then the idea is the whole build would be uh, marked as having failed. Um, and they realized that, uh, well, you know, maybe we want to extend this to a continuous delivery thing, i.e. move ourselves out of just building software and trying to push it into other environments. Now, of course, there are some challenges with this. So lots of vendors, including, um, you know, CA Atomics, one automation platform, and there are several other vendors have jumped in the, the space to help orchestrate the continuous delivery pipeline, continuous delivery kind of picking up where CI ends. And 
that's really where the you know CA atomic release automation comes in, where it is set to orchestrate and automate that pipeline from where CI stops, where the build basically ends and deposits thing in a secure repository, and then it helps um, move it all the way through to production. And the, the thing that uh, CA and as well as other vendors who've entered this space and provide tooling for release automation is that you're, you're trying to focus on having the same automation mechanics run in every environment from dev all the way to production. And indeed that is one of the formal tenets of continuous delivery to use the same automation mechanics. If you don't do that, you're still throwing things over the wall, right? And mm -hmm. you're missing an opportunity to, to test and QA and vet the automation mechanics themselves so that you can have high level of confidence that they will work in production because they themselves have been tested out dozens of times prior to that new release or that new chain set that's being published. Fair enough, fair enough. Now, Scott, I guess this sort of begs the question, in order to understand right, how powerful this, this concept is, can, can you give us kind of a little historical perspective? You know, what happens, be, what happens before pipelines, before this concept of a software factory? Well, right. Uh, things were kind of done manually. Um, you would use Jenkins to, to run your builds, not just to compile your little change, but to, you know, recompile all the other pieces that it integrates with, you know, integration, the integration part of continuous integration and make sure that changes that have been made aren't going to break the aggregate app. And uh, so once that was done, it was really handed off to QA and QA would do their thing. There are all these manual handoffs. Spreadsheets are being used to track the progress or you know, Gantt charts, Microsoft Project and other uh, PM tools were used to help migrate and, and manage rather the, the path to production with a lot of um, manual instruction sets. I uh, you know, previously worked in a previous life where production um, environments or staging environments would be handed a set of instructions that operations team had to follow. And she could imagine that there were always problems. There was always some little step, some little configuration thing that was missed in those instructions. And so there would inevitably be errors. And so it was just very error prone and um, failure prone, actually, I would say. So CD is the, the evolution of this, of trying to move things in an automated, repeatable, predictable way, in a safe and secure way as well. And that's kind of what brings us into this market. And I would, I would say, you know, as I was going through some of my old notes, I, a lot of people don't know this, but prior to Atomic being acquired by CA, Atomic was the one who really started this ARA market. And they, uh, we had approached Gartner and Forrester uh, trying to explain to them that there was actually a need uh, for this market. And uh, I won't reveal which analyst, but you know, a conversation like, well, what is this What is this thing you're talking about, this need to automate? And we said, well, we like to call it application release automation. And the term stuck with the analysts. So what the analysts call application release automation, funny enough, actually came from us as we were starting down this journey. And in fact, when I started, I had uh, with Atomic, and I was part of the group that helped, you know, build this whole thing out, is that um, 
it was funny. You'd go to do meetings, and I heard again and again all over the world, literally globally, Alan, I'd hear this comment, wow, we didn't know anything like that existed. So this, this is kind of where we started. Now, within two years, that changed. Within two years, there were several uh, competitors, Nolio, Urban Cove, which both were, uh, uh, you know, like Atomic, were acquired. And the world just kind of understands this whole concept nowadays of continuous delivery automation. But when we started out, that was this was new. And, uh, you know, Atomic actually was at the forefront and named this market. So I thought that was that's kind of cool to know. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, Scott, I was just sitting here thinking, you know, we're both around in this business a long time. And uh, so in, in the ninth, late 90s dot com days, I, I helped start a company and company called Interliant. And we were one of the early ASPs. Right. And we did Lotus Notes hosting and PeopleSoft hosting, Oracle apps, uh, some other defunct software that's not around anymore but this was before cloud you know we were and we had to customize every every installation every you know because the apps needed to be customized and i'm just thinking back to how we were developing and deploying back then and it you know it it seems like um it seems like a hundred years ago, not twenty years ago. First of all, but it's amazing when you think about the changes we've seen in, in such a short in such a short time. Yeah, but you know what? It's funny, Alan. Uh, so I remember those days as well. Uh, the pain of working weekends and uh, doing massive uh, deployments. What's funny now, we see all the things that have changed, but a lot of things are still remaining the same. I've, a lot of the large enterprises I visit, Alan, they're doing this DevOps thing, the continuous delivery thing with their new cloud native based apps, or even they're taking a big app and um, like their online banking app for a bank I won't name, and they're rewriting it in Node.js. Okay, great. They do this since it's in the cloud, they're able to do all these new things, agile, DevOps, uh, continuous delivery, but they still have all this infrastructure in apps in the background, what I call classically architected, right? Your IIS, JBoss, WebSphere, WebLogic, so forth, client servers. Um, You then also have your legacy, your mainframes and maybe large packaged systems like uh, Siebel and so forth. So even though they're doing a lot of things we're hearing a lot of messaging towards the way the new way to do stuff a lot of enterprises i visit still haven't gone on that journey because they haven't quite moved so many things in the cloud and they're still doing the way things alan you and i saw done in the 90s mm-hmm. in some ways i think a lot of it's kind of this panic this fear of like well you just never know man if this thing goes down there's so much money at at, uh, at risk and at stake that you know they're they're slow to change. And I would tell you that in the years since I first started my journey during all of this stuff, some eight or so years ago, that it's uh, even just last year, it was kind of, I don't want to say refreshing. I don't want to say re- surprising, but it was certainly eye-opening to see how many large enterprises fundamentally still do things the same way they did in the late 90s. Yep. And, and they're asking, how do we go forward? How do we do this? Agreed. So it's not a given, all this new stuff, Alan. <laughs> this is what I guess what I'm trying to say. 
No, it's not a given. It's not a given. But you also have to ask yourself, Scott, right? Fundamentally, is it a uh, survival threat or a threat to the survival of these companies who don't kind of get with it, right? And and what you see with that, Scott, is look, there may be some industries and some companies and some businesses who, frankly, it's just not that important. Right, important, and they could do what they want, and if they don't get with it, they don't get with it. That's okay, and and you need to, you know, and they may never adopt these ways of doing things, and they may, it may not really be a huge effect. But I think for the overwhelming majority of these organizations, I mean, they really start falling behind the eight ball here if they don't get with it, and and I think that's. That's what we're seeing play itself out in the market today. Absolutely, it's a it's a danger if yep. they don't uh, adapt, um, if they don't improve their customer uh, experiences, they could absolutely find themselves, uh, you know, going out of business. I remember yep. reading a lot about Bill Gates in the mid '90s and how he was just really maniacally. Uh, focused and concerned with the concept that he could be out of business within just a couple to three years. And when I was much younger and reading this, I thought, wow, that's a good lesson to learn to one. But two, I think he's a bit uh, over-exaggerating things. Well, he wasn't. (laughs) Turns out big companies, as we've seen since the year 2000, have vanished. And um, it's very important that organizations who haven't begun this move begin to modernize their way of delivering software. They just have to. Got it. Got it. And I think we're we're seeing that play out, right? Where it's kind of DevOps or die or whatever you want to call it. Anyway, Scott, we're we're just about out of time. Before we uh, close up, anything news coming out of Atomic you can share with us? Well, the... uh... You know, obviously, we've got uh, new stuff uh, coming out, but uh, I really think the, the new thing, it's not that new, but one of the things I'm very excited about in joining uh, CA is just this whole concept of a, a modern software factory where, um, and in joining CA, the Atomic team is an integral part of this uh, strategy and what they're trying to